I'm going to go to Romans chapter 8 and verses 23. Sorry, verses 24. The scripture starts by saying, for we are saved by hope. I love this. I love this. We want so many things in our life that are so tangible. But the scripture is telling us clearly and deliberately, it's not going to be a tangible thing that saves you. It's going to be the intangible. It's not going to be the thing that you can hold that's going to save you. We want that magic thing. We want the sword. We want the, you know, the cross we hold. But it's none of those things. It's the hope. It's the hope on the inside of you that's going to save you. It says, for we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. If I give you the thing, it stops being hope. You understand what I'm saying here? If I actually give you the thing, it stops being hope and it stops being the way you can be saved. So the Lord's not going to give you the thing. He's going to make you hope in the thing. I'm getting to purpose. I'm getting to purpose. Just give me a second. He's not going to give you the thing you want. He's going to give you a vision of it so you hope to get it. And once he gives you the vision, all your mind is set upon it. You can't let it go. It's in your spirit now. I can't stop thinking about the thing you put in front of me. Come on, preacher. Come on, preacher. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So we are saved by this driving desire in our hearts that we call hope. Yes, I heard one writer refer to it as hope is like on a tightrope because you could lose it so quickly if you're not careful. That's why we have to guard our hearts and our minds. We have to guard our hearts and minds because in our heart and in our minds is our hope. And if you let too many things in your heart and mind, it will disrupt your hope. When it disrupts your hope, it disrupts your salvation and your purpose and we cannot have that. What does he go on to say? Thank you, Lord. Thank you. For what a man seeth, why does he hope for something you're seeing? <laughs> why are you hoping for something you see? But if we with hope for what we see not, then we do with patience wait for it. <laughs> When you have purpose in Christ Jesus that has not been realized yet and you have a vision of it and you hope in the vision of it, you sit there with some patience. I'm getting there. Like I may only, I may not make any progress this week, but I made a little bit last week and I may make some next month. And with patience, I'm going to sit here with this hope in my heart. So if you have something that is in your purpose in your life, yes, sir. Yes, sir. you need some patience to see it through. Yes, ah, for we are saved by hope, but hope that is, not, is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for it? But if we hope for that we see not, then we do with patience wait for it. Verse, I'm getting to where I need to go. Verse 26, likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Uh, there's so much message here, there's so much message here, but I'm going to wait to get to this message. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not that what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself, no substitutions, the Spirit does it for you. Like, I'll pray, don't get me wrong, I'll pray for you, that's my job. 
That's my purpose, to pray for you. But make no mistake, the Spirit is going to be the one that does it correctly. It says, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. There is a spiritual language that has been spoken on your behalf for which there is no literal English translation or Spanish translation or any other kind of translation. And the Spirit will speak the thing that the heart cannot create with my mouth. The Spirit will speak it. That complicated emotion that you don't even understand yet. That depression that you cannot speak to. That concern and that worry that you have that you cannot articulate. The Spirit can speak about Ah, glory to God. And he that searcheth the heart knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. I'm almost at my verse, I'm sorry, I'm late. <laughs> according to the will of God. Verse 28, and we know, this is where I'm meaning to go, and we know, like he's talked about the spirit, he's talked about your hope, but then he started saying, you know what? It's actually not what I hope for, it's not what I envision, it's what I know. <laughs> you see how hope gets you where you need to go? Hope turns into now I know. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Let me just stop right there for a second. This is not saying that all things are good. Because that is obviously false. That is not what the scripture just said to us. It is not saying that all things are good. Because I can tell you five things that happen today that are not good. What it says is that all things work together for good. So I'm going to take some good. I'm going to take some bad. And I'm going to mix them all up into what my life actually is. Some good, an awful lot of bad. But it's going to all work together for my good. Like some things are just awful. Some things you see, I wish I could wish that out of my life. But the Lord's going to say, I'm going to take that bad part and make it all work for your good. I'm not going to reject the bad if it means it, I win in the end. I've seen the greatest boxers in the world lose rounds two, three, and four and come back and win in the end. You know what we never talk about? Rounds two, three, and four. What we say is who won? Who won? Uh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Getting to my purpose here. Verse 28, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them that called according to his purpose. This tells us something else. Not everybody else can claim this. This is for us. <laughs> this is for us who are called by God. For some things, to some people, their bad is just their bad. <laughs> and it's not working to any good because they're not called and they don't have purpose. But I'm willing to endure my bad days because I have purpose. 
I'm willing to take on my bad days because there's purpose in it. It'll work out for me in the end. So the bad days, I'm embracing them. I embrace this bad day because it's going to work for my good in the end. Hallelujah. It's going to work out for me in the end. Okay, let me get to my verse because I'm, I'm taking a lot of time here. Thank you, Jesus. 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Here's the thing we've got to understand about this. It's not actually about you. It's actually about him. It's actually about his purpose, not yours. This is where we start to get frustrated with God because we don't understand that the things we're going through aren't necessarily for us, but they're definitely for him. Okay, yes sir, come on sir. If you want to have a purpose in Christ, that means you are yielding all your priorities to his priorities. (laughs) Hallelujah, glory to God. This is what he says now in verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be firstborn among many brethren. It starts with this word, foreknow. I knew you before you were in existence. You understand what this is saying? Like, Jeremiah, we read last week, and it said, Jeremiah 1 says, you knew me before I was formed in my mother's womb. Let's go go real quickly to me to Ephesians. I know you're still standing. You can state if you like. Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1 tells us something really very important. Ephesians 1 verses 4. I need you to know that you weren't just known just as you were being formed. (laughs) You were known long before you were being formed. Jeremiah was revealed. You knew me when I was in my mother's womb. When I was formed, what does Ephesians 1 and 4 say? According as he has chosen us yes. in him. We've chosen us in he's chosen us in him. Before. Before what? The foundation of the world. Wait a minute. Yes, sir. Are you saying before you constructed this planet, yes, sir. this entire creation I look at that is under my feet right now? Yes, sir. Before you constructed the air that I'm breathing. Yes, yes, yes. Before you constructed the, the building blocks of the foundations of this planet, yes, you knew me? Yes, uh, you're trying to figure out if this is an accident. If, you, if you're in Columbus and instead of, well, was I mean to be in Florida? Was my life supposed to be in Indiana? Was my life supposed to be in, 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 in England? And the Lord saying, before there was an England, I knew you. Yes, yes, come on, please. Yes, that's what he said. Before there was a Europe, I knew you. Yes, okay, come on, please. And you're trying to figure out, well, Lord, what do you have for my life? Look, before he had plans for the earth. Yes, sir. Wow. Come on, preacher. Come on, sir. Come on, sir. He had plans for you. Wow. Come on, sir. Before he decided what the sea was going to look like. Yes. He knew you. This purpose idea of purpose should really just be about, Lord, reveal it when you're ready. (laughs) 
but I know I'm in your purpose because you knew me before the foundation of the world. This is not about whether he has a purpose for you. He absolutely does. The question is what part of the purpose is he gonna let you know about first? Does that make sense? There's a scripture I wanna share. I'm, I'm going all over the place, but Judges 13. I think it's Judges 13, it might be 12. I'm getting ahead of myself because this is for next week. I'm thinking about next week already. Judges 13. Judges 13. See if you can help me. Um, just start reading the top of it and let, let me know. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. Right. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistine 40 years. Yep, yep. And there this was, is the one. There was a certain man of Zorah of the families of the Danites. Yeah. Which whose name was Moab. Okay, so this is, just to give you a bit of background, this is the story, the origin story of Samson. We all know Samson in the Bible. Strongest man ever. Strongest, most powerful man ever. This is the origin story of him. This is how he came to be. 40 years the children of Israel did, they did wrong in the sight of the Lord, and the scripture tells us that the, the Lord put them into the hands of the Philistines. For 40 years. For 40 whole years, they are under the thumb of their neighboring country. Somebody who's, the, the, the Philistines, also known as the Phoenicians at that time. There's no other word for the Phoenicians. They were really good at metalwork. So whenever there was a weapon to be created, they kind of figured it out first. They were a problem, a burr in the side of Israel. They were a real big problem. And so the Lord put them in the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. But... That bad day, like I said, everything ain't going to be good always. That bad day is going to have deliverance. Yes, sir. And this is the Lord's deliverance to the bad that Israel put themselves into. Does that make sense? Yes, now keep reading. Verse 3. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold now, thou art barren and bearest not. Yes. But thou shalt conceive and bear a son. So there's an angel of the Lord coming to this woman. And letting her know some details about what is going to come in the future. Let's keep reading. Now, therefore, beware, verse 4, I pray thee, and drink not wine, nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. You know what I've realized about purpose? Is sometimes you are going to start living your purpose long before you understand your purpose. Okay. Long before you understand your purpose, you're going to be living it. Yes. I remember when I was young, I'm coming back to the scripture. Remember when I was young, me and um, Elder Keith, brother just Keith at the time, uh, we were both about 11 years old, and there was no Sunday school. I think you'd gone to college, um, and you used to be my Sunday school teacher. And um, you'd gone to college, and we, sa we says to my dad, Bishop Downey, Elder Downey at the time, I think, um, can we teach Sunday school? Me and Keith, we were about 12. <laughs> and he said, and you know what he said? Yes. I didn't realize in that moment I was living my purpose. I didn't realize in that moment all I wanted to do was just get a little Sunday, get the kids have a little bit of teaching. The ones that were younger than me even. What is amazing about that moment is that my father, I think, understood the purpose before I did. Because that's the only reason why you say yes to a 12-year-old who's telling you he wants to teach some Sunday school. What do I know? <laughs> but I'm living a purpose 
deliberately long before I knew that in Columbus, Ohio, 4,000 miles away, I'd be teaching and preaching the gospel of Jesus. You are living your purpose today long before you know what your purpose is. That's the first thing I want to tell you. Like if the Lord knew you, that means he had a purpose for you. You're living it already. You're frustrated because you don't know the details. <laughs> You're frustrated because you don't know what tomorrow is. You know what they're gonna be the big problem with telling you what tomorrow is? You're gonna start saying it's you instead of him. <sighs> You're gonna start saying, oh, I know how good I am because I know what tomorrow holds. Instead of saying, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I do know who keeps me. Yeah? Sometimes your purpose needs to be here to keep you in check. <laughs> keep you sensible, keep you spiritually sane. Hallelujah. If the Lord were to show you all the wonderful things that are in store for you, you might think it's you. But the Lord is saying, it's all about me and I need you to trust it's all about me. Amen? Let's keep reading here. For lo, verse 5, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. No deeds. Just, I just need you to not eat drink, eat strong drink, to, to drink strong drink. I need you to make sure no razor comes on his head because he's going to be the dude that's delivering. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's it. That's the message. No more details. Yes, sir. <laughs> Keep going. Then the woman, verse 6, came and told her husband, saying, A man of God came unto me, and his countenance was like unto the countenance of an angel of yep. God. Very terrible. But I asked him not whence he was, neither told he me his name. But he said unto me, Behold, thou shalt conceive yep. and bear a son, and now drink no wine nor strong drink, neither eat any unclean thing, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God, from the womb to this day of his So day. the only thing they know right now, she's gone back, she tells her husband, the angel came to me, somebody looks like an angel came to me and told me that this is gonna happen to us. We're gonna have a child and he's gonna deliver Israel. You know the things that they're not said? He's gonna be super strong. No details. He's going to literally beat up all armies. No details. He's going to literally fight a lion with his bare hands. No details. The detail isn't important. What is important is the hope and the vision. You're trying to figure out the details of your purpose. And I'm telling you, that's not the, the, the important part. The important part is the hope it puts inside you and the purpose it drives you forward. But they're not satisfied. Keep reading. Then, verse 8, Moana entreated the Lord and said, Oh, my Lord. Let the man of God, which thou didst send, come again unto us. Oh, wait a minute. He's, Manoah's now saying, I know you sent him to my wife, right, right. but if you could send them to me, I'll get the same message. Why, does he, why do they need the message twice? This is what sometimes we do with our purpose. We think, I, I need another confirmation that the purpose is really purpose. Like the Lord sent an old whole angel the first time. Right? He sent an old angel once already. He's put it in you. He said, oh Lord, I actually need another confirmation. Yes. This is what sometimes happens when we go to other people for a confirmation of the purpose God's put in us. Yes. You start to need a double check. Yes. They need a double check of your purpose. No, you don't. Yes, sir. 
If the Lord says it, that's what's going to happen with you. I'm leaning into his purpose, not our purpose. Amen. Let's keep reading. Then Manoah entreated the Lord and said, Oh, my Lord, let the man of God, which thou didst send, come again unto us and teach us what we shall do unto the child that shall be born. Now, why do you need, he's basically said, let the angel come again and teach us what we've done to the child. He's already came and told you what exactly to do to the child. Don't drink strong drink. He's not supposed to drink strong drink. And don't let a razor touch his head. That's it. Raise him like that. I'll do the rest. What the problem is, is that Manoah wants the plan laid out step by step. He doesn't want to rely on hope. He wants to rely on a list. And I'm telling you that give me hope over the list anytime. Because my trust is in the Lord. My trust is in him. Let's keep reading. And God hearkened unto the voice of Manoah. And the angel of God came again unto the woman. Uh, so now, not only does he come, he does what he says, but he doesn't come to Manoah. He goes to the wife again. <laughs> stop. I want to tell you to do this now, but stop trying to get your, your vision on purpose confirmed somewhere else. The Lord's confirmed it with you. The Lord's purpose is with you. He's already told you what it is. You don't need another confirmation. He foreknew you for your purpose. <laughs> I love this story. We often miss this story out of the story of Samson, but this is an important one. Because we have to realize that the problems, in fact, what happens, we realize in Samson's life, there was a, a verse I read, and it said, all this was done so that the will of the Lord could be done in Samson. All of this was done, all the trouble that Samson got in, he loved the, the Philistine woman. He looked like two of them actually, like the first Philistine woman and had to put foxes, catch 300 foxes, let them off in the thing. He had to do all kinds of things. Details, details, details. Do you think that Samson's mother and father needed those details back here? No, don't need those details to do what you need. All you need is vision and that vision's gonna give you purpose and hope. Leaning to the hope. Just, if we could go back to where we were, uh, Romans 8, Romans 8, 26. In verse 29, let's go to verse Romans 8, 29. For whom he did foreknow. Whom he did foreknow. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So we know now that the Lord knew you before he even constructed this earth. Before uh, land masses were pulled together, before the seas were created, he knew you. And he knew you and he, would, he had purpose for you. And the scripture says, whom he did foreknow, he predestined. He had a destiny for you. He had a destiny for you. And sometimes I think we want the details. We're saying, Lord, am I supposed to be in Cleveland or Cincinnati? That's the detail we want. And the Lord is trying to tell you something that whether you choose Cleveland or Cincinnati, he's going to be with you regardless. Yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. You're worried about the label of the city, the label of the land, and, and he's saying, I knew you before there were labels to associate with anything. Yes, 
Your purpose has been well defined long before. Your purpose has been predestined from the foundation of the world. Let's keep reading that out. For whom he did foreknow, he also did, did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, whom he predestinated, then he also called. So if you've got destiny, you have a calling, meaning he's pulling you towards your destiny. He's anointed you for that destiny. And you don't have to worry about whether the choices because ultimately you're going to be following the destiny that the Lord has in you. Amen. Don't worry about the details. Right. Don't turn it, don't pull a Manoah. <laughs> don't start worrying about what the details are. Yes. Trust in the vision that the Lord has for you. Yes. Let's keep reading there. Then he also called, he also, whom he called, then he also justified. He has created, when he's called you, the scripture says he justified you. That he's declared and made you righteous. He's justified you. Imagine you, uh, unfortunately, hopefully that doesn't happen, but you're in front of a judge. And what he gets to say is whether you are guilty or innocent. And the Lord is saying, the ones who I'm called, I'm declaring them justified, innocent right now. <laughs> Your purpose comes with additional benefits. <laughs> it comes with the benefit of having been justified by the ultimate authority in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's read a couple more verses. Then he also called you. Them, them he also called, and whom he called, then he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. He's going to make something great in you because he has justified you. But I'm here to tell you that the story of your life won't all be roses. But it will definitely work together for your good. There's one more scripture I want to share with you. Exodus 9 and 16. I was looking at this because I was thinking about all the men of God and all the women of God that are called who come out of difficult situations, come out of backgrounds that you may not expect to be kind of the, the things that you'd expect God to call you to. Exodus 9 and 16, can you find that for me? And in very deed, for this cause have I raised thee up. This is the scripture talking about Moses. And the Lord is telling him, I've called you for this very purpose. I've chosen you for this very purpose, to lead my people out of Israel. Which means that when Moses was thrown into the river to save his life when he was had forced to run away from these adopted family because of the committed murder when he was in a foreign land away from all that he knew all of this everything every part of that deed and act was so that the lord's will could be done in his life don't be afraid of the bad days i'm assuring you that they're working to be your good days in christ the scripture says that Moses was put on a raft, literally, into the river. And it is for this cause. Let's read that verse again. And in very deed, for this cause, for this cause have I raised thee up. <laughs> so, so you may look at your worst day and say, man, this is too much. Lord, you couldn't have possibly seen this coming. Like, this is an accident. This cannot be what you intended. And I'm asking you to say, for this cause. 
Like for the cause, for the purpose you have in me, you made this day to be this day. For this cause. For this cause, Lord. Let's keep going. For this cause have I raised thee up for to show in thee my power. Yes. And that my name may be declared throughout all the earth. Not about you. It's all about him. It's not about you. It's about in Christ. What your purpose is in him. Let's just go back to Romans chapter 8 and read that verse out, 33, 32, 33, and 34. In fact, I've got it. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up again for us all, how shall he not with us also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Given that we are where we are right now, who's going to lay a charge to me? If the Lord knew me before the earth was, before it rained first on the earth, before there was blue skies, before there was eagles, how are you going to say you've got something? Have you ever seen the film um, Groundhog Day? Groundhog Day, and there's another one, um, the, the, what was the other film? Edge of Tomorrow, where he repeats the same day so many times that he's completely familiar with what's going on. Knows everything that's coming up to them. Because he's destined, the day has been destined to repeat over and over and over again. He gets so good, he can fight well, he, can, he, saw, he sees people coming, he avoids them, he goes in a different direction. Why? Because he knows what's coming. I'm asking you to try to figure out how somebody's going to get you in a way that God is not going to expect when he saw this day long before it ever happened. <laughs> He's, he's done this already. He foreknew it. You're the one who has to catch up. Right? So I'm asking you to put your trust in God. Let me just read that verse out. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yes. Yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. If God is for us, who can be against us? You don't even know what's going to happen this afternoon. And he knew what was happening with me before he created all of this. There's no way we can be defeated when he knows what my life yes. is going to be laid out to be. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word.